You're listening to InfoTrack. To learn more about our guests or listen to past shows, visit InfoTrack online at InfoTrackRadio.com. Once again, here's Chris Whitting. The number of children in the U.S. foster care system is at record levels, thanks in part to the massive epidemic of opioid addiction. With nearly 450,000 children in the system, mistakes sometimes happen. Children are taken from parents who are neither abusive or neglectful. InfoTrack's Gina Tedesco is here with an attorney who helps the families that fall through the cracks. Gina? Thanks, Chris. If child protective service agencies watch out for abused or neglected children, who watches out to make sure the agencies do their jobs correctly? A new book profiles six cases in which child protection services wrongly took away children from their families. Noted attorney Diane Redleaf is author of They Took the Kids Last Night, How the Child Protection System Puts Families at Risk. She says the problem is widespread. Ms. Redleaf, the families you profiled had brought their kids to get medical care but were blamed for injuries or problems that they just could not explain. Give us one brief example. One brief example happened to Mary Broderick's family. Her husband was holding their infant child. He was on a porch. He just kind of fell backwards while holding the child. And he got some scrapes. And as a precaution, they took the child to the hospital. They found a bleed on his brain. And at first, that was not viewed as suspicious. But then an x-ray was read or a CAT scan was read and they thought they saw another bleed, an older bleed. And immediately, as soon as that happened, child protection got called. The family was put under restrictions. The children were forced to live with relatives for about seven weeks. And it was an extremely traumatic experience for them, so much so that Mary Broderick has spent 15 years working on the issue of wrongly accused families. Can this kind of thing happen in any state? It does happen in almost every state. I've had cases and attorneys that I've worked with who come from just about every state who work on cases like this, and hotline calls are mandated in every state, so it easily can happen in every state. Some states have it more than others. And in this era of see something, say something, are some innocent parents victimized by a vindictive friend or relative? That's a very common scenario that causes hotline calls to be made, and sometimes it's used as an offensive tactic to deflect attention from a true abuser. That's happened, too. Do families of color find themselves less likely to be believed at a hospital when they provide an explanation of how their child was legitimately injured? That's true. Families of color are very disproportionately the subject to both hotline calls and findings of abuse or neglect, as well as actions to actually formally take the children into foster care. And then, of course, once children go into foster care, there's additional disproportionate impact on minority families in terms of the delays in getting the children back, the rate of findings, and the difficulties that they encountered. So, yes, it starts with the hotline, 
and whether a call is made and it continues through the life of a case, that there is disproportionate impact. When a child is removed, you say their location might be kept secret? Even the parent's attorney cannot get information? That can happen for a period of time after a decision gets made. If child protection comes out, they make a decision that there's a immediate risk to the child, or sometimes it's a better safe than sorry decision, and it's not really in accordance with the strict constitutional standards that should be applied. And at that point, if the child is not placed with a relative that the parent knows, they will have a hard time getting information until there is a court action or some other disposition that the state makes public to them. We're visiting with Diane Redleaf, author of They Took the Kids Last Night, How the Child Protective System Puts Families at Risk. If parents are wrongly accused of abuse, what three things would you advise them to do? The first thing is to find out exactly what they're accused of as best they can. That's asking some questions politely of the person who's investigating them. The second thing is if it's a medical case, get their medical records, get the medical records for the children involved as quickly as you possibly can and try to see if you can find an independent person to give an evaluation. And the third thing is to reach out and find out about legal resources. If a family wants to hire a lawyer to fight, how expensive might that be? It can be arranged. In many states, if it ends up going to court, attorneys will be appointed. And there are some very excellent family defense attorneys around the country in various states, but it's an under-resourced area of practice. And it's difficult sometimes to find an experienced attorney in family defense. It's a unique field. It can range in cost depending on what's involved from, you know, a thousand dollars on the low end to upwards of a hundred thousand dollars depending on how long the case continues. Ms. Redleaf, I posed the question earlier, who's watching CPS? Do states have agencies that serve as a check on CPS? Not really. I say that because there have been over the years some attempts at some partial solutions to this problem. There's some inspector general's offices, there may be citizen review boards in some states, but the families are really oftentimes powerless and so stigmatized by virtue of the allegation and so under-resourced in terms of how they can reach out for help that the accountability of the agencies is really a challenge. And really, it has fallen to attorneys like me, family defense attorneys, civil rights lawyers, to try to hold the agencies accountable. And there is a very small group of lawyers who have a history and a track record of doing exactly that through lawsuits and also policy efforts. This is a changing picture, I have to say. Things have started to really dramatically improve with the attention that stories like these have been getting and more and more and better well-staffed family defense offices. But this is a really important area to support and to expand. I realize this can vary from state to state, but do you believe CPS workers get enough training? 
Not at all. CPS workers have a very hard job. I think people kind of expect everything from them and they give them extremely weak tools as well as overwhelming caseloads at the same time. We sort of expect the system to sort everything out. In 2016, 7.4 million children called to the attention of hotlines in America. And we're expecting child protection workers with high caseloads and oftentimes little supervision, high turnover to sort all this out. And it is a daunting task. And we're expecting a lot from people who don't have the tools necessarily available. In fairness, though, to CPS workers, you're not alleging, are you, that all CPS workers are not up to the task? I'm not alleging that. The cases that come to the attention of lawyers like me are not the cases where the family, you know, got properly served and they ended up with a quick positive outcome. And those cases do happen. And certainly there are investigators who are doing their absolutely best they can do and they are making the right call most of the time. But we haven't really talked about what it means to get it wrong. And that's what the book tries to do. Diane Redleaf, author of They Took the Kids Last Night, How the Child Protective System Puts Families at Risk. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. For InfoTrack, I'm Gina Tedesco. You're listening to InfoTrack, a production of Syndication Networks.